Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. Today, we've got a very special program for you and a very special guest, Mark Butler. Welcome, Mark. Good morning. Thank you, Peggy. (laughs) Thank you for being with us, Mark. And today, we're going to be talking about very special people among us, children with special needs, and how we can really make our communities more welcoming for them, our parishes more welcoming. Um, We're going to be talking about the challenges, but also the blessings in the family that come from having a child with a special need. And Mark uh, and his wife are truly inspirational. I heard a little bit about them first, actually through the Columbus Dispatch, uh, because they have a son named Andrew, who is um, what our system calls a multi-system youth. (laughs) We know Mark is is made in the image and likeness of God. He's a very special young man now. Uh, But because he needed so much help from from many different systems, uh, and, and thank goodness we have, thank the Lord that we have in our culture, many different opportunities for children with special needs um, in education and social su- social services and so forth, but very difficult to coordinate that for a child that needs so much help. He has severe autism, right, Mark? He does. Andrew has uh, severe autism, and he also uh, has been diagnosed with a severe intellectual disability, mm-hmm. and he's nonverbal. So he's a young man that has a lot of very complex needs, and as he got older, was also diagnosed with several mental illnesses as well. And uh, so for us, the struggles really began very early on with him, helping him to get the supports that he needed as even a child with very complex needs. Sure. Developmentally, we've been told that he's sort of like a toddler intellectually. Now, when you have a nonverbal child, it's hard to assess mm-hmm. IQ or things mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, that that seems to match up with our experience of him. And then when he went and be, uh, through puberty and became a teenager, those issues kind of became more pronounced. Sure. You know, you can imagine if you have a two-year-old kind of headbutting you when they're frustrated or pinching mm-hmm. you. It's really not a big deal. We laugh it off. If a, if a two-year-old refuses to comply, you pick him up and you carry him. You do all those sure. things. Now, imagine when that person is 16 Mm -hmm. and still doing that and having uh, kind of the terrible twos and going through puberty at the exact same time. And families do need help. Yours, your, the, the help that you needed as a family and help for, for Andrew, um, was very, very obvious. Uh, and, and Mark and his wife, let me tell our audience, were, uh, your, your passion to get the help for Mark and your family. You didn't want Mark to be taken away, put in care of the state so that he could get this help, which was an alternative. Yeah, that's right. The the, um, the way that it worked in Ohio, and uh, there's a reason why I'm using past tense, but mm-hmm. uh, when, what our experience was with Andrew um, was that, you know, when you have these severe needs, obviously being with the family is the right place for a child. That's That's very clear. But there are times, unfortunately, when that's really not feasible. In the case of Andrew, Um, Andrew, you know, had this uh, intermittent rage disorder uh, that caused violent outbursts in the home. And so Andrew was causing 
physical harm to himself. You know, I, it's easy to forget that the very first person he hurt was himself. Sure. But to my wife, Susan, and to our daughters, Anna and Katie, um, it just was not safe to have him in the home for those reasons. And so Andrew needed, um, and this is after a brief hospitalization, the social worker said, "You, it's not safe for him. It's not safe for you to have him in the home. He needs intense residential treatment to try mm-hmm. to see if we can't help with some of these behaviors, but keep you safe and him safe. Right. And w- after that conversation, they said, you're not going to like what we have to say in order for you to get that help. You're going to have to surrender custody of your child to the state. Mm. And that was devastating. Sure. And, you know, we tried to cobble together other scenarios, but the bottom line was that private insurance does not pay for that kind of treatment for uh, for young people. Mm-hmm. And Andrew was eligible for Medicaid, and Medicaid didn't pay for it either. So literally the only way to get help, that kind of help for families in Ohio, was to appear before a magistrate, surrender custody of your child to the state, and then at that point you no longer have a say in their treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew was sent... Uh, uh, to a, a town called Pedro, which is close to Ironton in the Diocese of Steubenville. That's about a two-hour drive mm-hmm. through the hills. Uh, and imagine for a nonverbal kid who can't read, can't write, can't FaceTime or Skype, honestly, that would be almost like putting him on the moon. Sure. So, you know, because the only way to have a, a relationship with him is through proximity. So my wife and I made that journey every single weekend mm-hmm. for over two years just to spend time with them, just to be present with yeah. them. And what a beautiful uh, example of parental love and attempts to keep the family together. But let me tell our audience, Mark, that because of this experience, you and your wife devoted yourselves to changing that about the law in Ohio. And now, uh, I, and this is when I when I read your story ab- about your struggle, um, keeping the family together and trying to, to be parents to Andrew, um, now, because of your work, uh, that has led to the establishment of an $18 million fund in Ohio's present budget to prevent the forced custody relinquishment of multi-system youth. And so now other parents don't have to face what you faced. That's right. And, you know, that Andrew, when he turned 18, we were able to get him back home. He mm-hmm. went from being two hours away to two minutes away. Mm. We found a, a wonderful Catholic family that were willing to become a landlord for him and another uh, disabled young adult. Mm-hmm. And so we had our happy ending. We said, you know what? <laughs> we survived two really awful, awful years and all the pain, crying more tears those years than the rest of my life combined. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after that happened, I was still getting contacted by parents who said who were experiencing the same thing. And I said, you know, we have to find some meaning to the suffering that we endured. And that's that's really kind of the way that the, as Catholics we're called to view the problem mm-hmm. of evil and the problem of suffering. You know, we right. we're called to respond to evil with goodness right. and with love. And so that's why, even though, you know, we survived it all through God's strength and grace, we survived this. But I think God was calling us to say, okay, now you have that experience and you can make 
you can make someone else's life uh, more bearable through this right. so that they don't have to go through it. That's that, And it's beautiful. I know that's one of the things, as you and I talked about your story, that is a very important point for our program and that you want to make sure that people understand that when you look at something like the situation in your family with the eyes of faith, we can. It's a beautiful example of how God does bring goodness out of suffering, and um, and you were able to keep your family together through that period of of tremendous suffering where you uh, had your son outside of the home, and yet, as you say, you had your happy ending, and you've been able to really bring. Uh, tremendous help to other families with special needs children. It's a beautiful story, Mark. And, you know, so for me, it is so um, such a blessing Mm -hmm. to be able to, when families contact me now, and before I'd say, you know what, I'm so sorry, you have a really hard journey ahead of you. It's one I can empathize with. I can speak to you. I can be a resource. I can pray for you. But this is what this is going to mean. Now I have the ability to say, Okay, guess what? There's now there's help. funding available. <laughs> and by the way, we can tell our audience right now, and I'll remind them too at the end of the program, uh, every county has uh, an agency called Family and Child First Council. Mm-hmm. The Family and Child First Council. So if you have a special needs child, if you're listening to the program um, or want to refer this program to someone, it will be in our archives. Uh, they, they can find help now in their family, an agency that coordinates the care for such special needs children that now has funding to do so. That's, so that's, that's wonderful, right. Mark. Yeah. So, many, so many of our kids, the reason why Andrew is called a multi-system youth, the, the explanation is kind of in the name, but a lot of us will have a child that, you know, they have a disability and they need help with education. So we mm-hmm. deal with special education departments um, or SPICE programs in mm-hmm. the Catholic school system. Mm-hmm. Or we also work with the County Board of Developmental Disabilities. If you have a child who also has a mental illness, There's ADAM programs around the state. And so what Family Child First is designed to do is to help you navigate through all those different lenses. And then now also they're going to be helping to distribute these funds that are available as well. That is so exciting. Well, Mark, I know one of the, uh, by the way, uh, for if you just tuned into our program, our guest is Mark Butler. Uh, He and his wife, Susan, are parents of three children, two of whom have special needs. That's right. We've been talking about Andrew, who uh, was considered a multi-system youth. Um, But we want to talk about your other daughter and two uh, who has special needs. Uh, Mark and Susan are part of Holy Spirit Parish, where Mark is very, very active. That's kind of his... um, the rest of it, while well, he spends his, his full-time job as the director of founded ministries for the Dominican Sisters of Peace. But both you and your wife are so active in your parish, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Mark, for everything that you're doing to to advocate for children. I know one of the things you believe so strongly in is that every life is worth living. <laughs> Absolutely. And every child is made in the image and likeness of God. And yet that manifests itself, of course, very differently uh, in different children. Mm-hmm. You were telling me a, a, some, a beautiful story about your daughter, how, how her, um, you know, in, her par- in the parish, for instance, how her, how her autism um, affects, affects how she manifests her love for the Lord and her love for the, the liturgy. Absolutely. You know, Katie is a very faithful young woman, Mm -hmm. and she loves going to Mass. 
She uh, reads her Bible daily and says her prayers. And just, you know, I'm very so, so proud of her mm-hmm. because of that. It has been, um, at times for her, a very challenging journey towards that. But every person, every person with a disability or without a disability is made in the image and likeness of God. And every baptized person shares in that, that common vocation, that universal call to holiness that we have. And so Katie is called to holiness, just as you and I are called to holiness. Mm-hmm. But the way that she is going to live that call is going to be different because she has a disability. And for me, what it means to be inclusive when we talk about inclusion, it's not about a program, although programs can help. It's not about an elevator or a ramp, although sometimes those things can help as well. But it's what can we do to help someone to live out that call to holiness? How can, as a parish, as families, support someone on that journey? So Katie, with her autism, she hates um, change, so her favorite season of the year is ordinary time, which is funny. You talk to a, a million Catholics. No one will say ordinary time is their favorite season. Everyone loves Advent. They love Christmas. They love Easter. Every now and then someone will throw a land out there. But no one ever says ordinary time. For Katie, she loves it. Not because green is her favorite color, but because um, that's when everything is pretty much steady as she goes. Um, the uh, mass parts generally stay the same during ordinary time. We don't have any special bulletin boards. We don't have any um, sign-up sheets hanging in unusual places. It's it's just kind of simple. So for Katie, that's like, ah, the routine is there. <laughs> I know what's happening. The same people are there at Mass. I'm good. Um, so for her, she loves ordinary time. The other thing about her is she hates singing. Hmm. And even if I try, you know, this is a young lady who for um, on her birthday, we don't sing happy birthday. She does not like, uh, sometimes I wonder if it's just my singing. <laughs> Uh, but she, she doesn't like, you know, if, even if I'm singing a tune at home, she goes, dad, please, please don't do that. And so, um, congregational singing, she's okay with. And every now and then I'll sneak a peek and she'll have a hymnal open. I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. You know, no one realizes this, but God is doing something pretty special right now. And I'm the only one like out of the sight of my eye noticing this. But, um, one of the things that we do, I know, and a lot of parishes do this is that during those uh, certain liturgical seasons, you change some things up. And um, Holy Spirit, during some liturgical seasons, will sing the Our Father. Just, you know, something that, you know, just to keep the liturgy vibrant for folks. Well, you can imagine if you have autism, and you've had months and months and months of just saying the Our Father, and then all of a sudden, you're singing it. And you're someone that doesn't like when, if people around you are singing, uh, especially at a, a, a moment you wouldn't expect it. So, you know, with Katie, um, I'm not about to march up to the liturgy director and say, hey, we can't sing the Our Father. That, that, wouldn't, that is, that, I think, unre- an unreasonable request mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're worrying about the life of the parish. Um, so, as far as a program change, I certainly wouldn't advocate for that. But what I would advocate for is how do you engage Katie in that moment and walk with her on her own path to holiness? And what's happened at our church was that um, Katie has old lady friends. And it's so funny. When she walks in the door, she goes right to her friends. Hmm. She doesn't care where I'm at. I may or may not make it into that pew. She doesn't care. <laughs> She's with her friends. And um, what has happened is that the ladies that sit with her at church, when we do sing the Our Father and they see Katie, she closes her eyes and she puts her hand on her ear and she's just really uncomfortable with that. Um, and what they do is they don't sing. Hmm. They'll say their prayer. They'll put a hand on her shoulder. They'll say, it's okay. We're here with you right now in this moment. 
And to me, that's an example of what it means as a parish community to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's to it's say, I am, I am walking with you. And, and I think that models what Pope St. John Paul II said in 2000 to the Jubilee for the Disabled uh, when he greeted the families and he said to them, um, the church is a love that embraces. And I want to tell you, I am close to you. And as that was right when my kids were diagnosed, uh, when that Jubilee happened, mm, when I read those powerful. words, it really resonated with me. And, and, and especially for those of us that remember that the Holy Father himself became an adult with a disability and, and, hmm. and had many limitations. So in many ways, he was close, not only spiritually, but close in terms of his own struggles. And now he was on his own journey on, on this path to holiness as well. Wow. Um, so that's that's what inclusion means. It's it's what it's what John Paul II said. It's about that closeness. It's not necessarily about the ramp or the elevator. But again, if that's what helps someone in a wheelchair uh, mm-hmm. on their call uh, mm-hmm. uh, of receiving their call to holiness and living it, then let's build the ramp or the wheelchair. But it's beyond that. It's that attitude of closeness, right? And and sensing as these ladies have, as your daughter's friends have at church what she needs mm-hmm. and and i'm sure nobody had to tell them that they sensed that because they were close to her that it would be uncomfortable for her if we're singing the our father so we're just not going to do that mm-hmm. right. <laughs> we're going to show her and a little touch uh it, it's a beautiful story well um one of the referrals that we talked about mark that i want to mention at this point for those who are listening and maybe thinking is our parish as welcoming as it needs to be um, is there anything we could do in our parish? Do we have a ramp if we need that? Uh, do we have the elevators? Uh, but is there anything else as members of the congregation that we need to be thinking about? Do we need to be more sensitive to this in some way? Um, you, you can you can contact the Office of Social Concerns at the Columbus Diocese at columbuscatholic.org, mm-hmm. columbuscatholic.org, and look for the Office of Social Concerns. Talk to the director there, Jerry Freewald. And I know, Jerry, you and Mark are, are good friends. Mark, Jerry um, uh, speaks so highly of you, and you do of Jerry. So we know that Jerry at the Office of Social Concerns has a great heart for children with special needs and making our parishes, helping helping to sensitize us to how we can be more welcoming. So uh, that's a good referral for people. Well, Mark, um, tell us, uh, you and Susan, um, your family, I can just sense you are such a loving, faith-filled person. Your wife must be also. I would love to meet her someday. Uh, but... Tell us about how this has affected your couple relationship, your your family. Um, obviously, you have you have been so sensitive to your children and and done everything uh, that I can possibly think you could have done to to help them be welcomed not only into your family but also into the parish community, into the bigger community, even advocating for other children with special needs that have has caused this wonderful victory now uh, in our state that we have such great funding for uh, our family and child first councils and and multi-system youth how has it affected your couple relationship your 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 family how have you how has your interaction been impacted you know any any time that you have a, a large number of needs in your family it's going to have an impact on the relationships in them 
I would think and so. And so that has been, you know, at, at times that has been a great challenge for us, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Um, you know, it, it says that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. So oftentimes I pray that God stop trusting me as much <laughs> as he does. Um, How but, can I handle so much? Exactly, huh? exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will say this, that the, you know, the the pilgrimage that we, and I call it a pilgrimage that when we went to go see our son, that four hour round trip to go see him, um, those hours in the car together it absolutely helped our relationship to grow stronger and our commitment to each other to grow stronger. And, um, you know, I will never forget that very first trip to Ironton, uh, th- right after we had surrendered custody and my wife had gathered some of Andrew's clothes and some of the, you know, toys and things he liked because we wanted him to be happy there. Mm-hmm. And when we pulled up, they said that we weren't allowed to see him. Mm. Because we had surrendered custody and they had not approved any kind of visitation yet. So that very first trip, we drove down there and we dropped off the stuff. They said, no, you can't. You can't see him. And so we just sat in the car in the parking lot just to be close, just to be close by. And and we held on to each other and cried and got our way through it um, because that's how committed we were to our family. That, you know, just to be close to him, we still just sat in the car. Mm. Um, and that's the heartbreak of of uh, of surrendering custody. Not only do you you lose the decisions, but you you lose some access as well. Um, my wife is a very private person, and so you know sharing our story uh, was kind of a big deal for us. You know, it's not an easy thing to talk about, especially when your child is hurting you. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of families out there that are kind of suffering silently, or they're afraid of what would happen to their child. If they started making some of those phone calls, that's why getting our story out there was so important so that those families knew that there's other people like them, that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many people now, uh, you know, that dispatch article mentioned where we uh, we attend mass. I've had people actually stalk me at mass where we'll have people. I had someone show up after mass, ask around, which one's Mark, which one's Mark? And then they found me. That's how they they got (laughs) access to me, which is which is fine. I laugh about it. But. On the other hand, it's also opened us up to some other things as well. I'm I'm that person um, that if if I'm in an article or something online, I read all the comments. Now I discourage other people from doing this <laughs> because there are wonderful um, things that people will say, and then unfortunately, there it also is a breeding ground for the negative comments as well. And I remember that first article in the Dispatch. There was a lady who. Um, put a comment on there and her name was Mary and my wife and I, uh, my wife in particular has a, a great devotion to our lady. And so this woman named Mary uh, put on there and, and I'll never forget what she said. She said that uh, in regard to my son, Andrew, she said, there's no way someone like this could ever be happy. He should just be euthanized. Mm. And I would not wish that on anyone to see someone actually publicly say, that your child should be murdered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it really just pierced me when I saw that. And then as I saw a number of people liking that comment. Mm. And so uh, I, I, I walked away from the computer and I just went for a walk and I prayed and I said, God, I have to respond to this. I can't just let this, this slide. Mm-hmm. And so I made it back in, uh, to the computer and I saw... A number of people had already responded, and a lot of them said things like, well, Mary, you're the one who should be euthanized, and some other comments. <laughs> and we don't want that either. <laughs> and, and, and we don't want that either. So I, 
I, I wrote I, – my comment was this. I said, Mary, the comments section of a newspaper is not really the place to change your mind. But let me say to you that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Andrew is happy and you're wrong. <laughs> and then I said to everyone who affirmed Andrew's dignity, thank you. But never forget that Mary shares in that same dignity. Hmm. And that, that, that is what the word that God gave me to share in that moment. Sure. Because that's really what this is all about. It's mm-hmm. about looking at every person as being made in God's image and sharing in the same dignity that we all have. Sure. I'm thinking, love your enemies. Um, do good to those uh, who, who are not doing good to you. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful sign you were with that mark. I'm sure it was very difficult to to overcome your initial reaction and to really be loving in return. Did Mary ever respond again to you? She never. She never did. And uh, <clears throat> the folks at the dispatch <clears throat> deleted that whole thread the next day. I think they realized <clears throat> that that was a pretty uh, mm-hmm. a pretty disgusting comment mm-hmm. that she had put on there. But I'm sure that people who have children with special needs. Um, have had experiences where they've been looked looked at oddly, differently, uh, and even in a condemning way by people uh, in the community or people they see in public places, people responding in hateful ways rather than in loving ways. You know, we live in a culture of death, unfortunately, and, and we need to bring that light, as you are doing, into that culture of death and darkness. You know, we, we live in, I, I think Pope Francis said it well when he said, we live in a disposable culture. And yes. and so, you and know, yet, we encounter that so Each often. person made in the image and likeness of God has an eternal life. Absolutely. Yes. Mark, your story is beautiful. The story of Andrew, what you and your, your wife, Susan, how the Lord has used you. Thank you so much. And for those who are listening, remember, if you um, need help seeing if your parish can become more welcoming, ColumbusCatholic.org, the Office of Social Concerns at the county level, the Family and First Council. Uh, There are resources. There is always hope. And you have been listening to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and the program, The Family Sanctuary, with archives at stgabrielradio.com. Our program is broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intended. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today.